0: Hello everybody and welcome to this podcast about heads of terms. We at Mackerel have been asked by several clients and contacts to talk about heads of terms as it provides certainty from the off when deals are being done. I'm going to look at this podcast from three key angles. The first We'll be talking about what heads of terms do and how they operate. The second angle will be whether we actually need heads of terms. And the third angle will be the effect of COVID-19 on transactions generally. Throughout this podcast, I am going to take a neutral stance on heads of terms, but there will be areas where I will talk about them specifically from buy side or sell side. So the first question is, what are heads of terms? Well, heads of terms have many, many different names. They can be called an offer letter, memorandum of understanding and a letter of intent. But fundamentally, they all do one thing, and that is to set out the deal that has been struck between both buyer and seller, and how they are going to proceed and behave throughout the transaction as a whole. The document itself will have many, many different clauses, but it can be dialled down to two fundamental and very important elements. The first element is the price, and I always advocate that at any transaction, we should always follow the money. And it's very important that price is talked about in heads of terms because one perspective is how is the price being paid? We all accept that the number itself is presumably acceptable to both buyer and seller. Otherwise, we would not be talking about heads of terms. But how is it paid? And how much of it is paid when you hand over the keys to your business, to your new buyer? If any money is paid after you have sold your company, how, from the sell side, how is the seller protected against default? Because fundamentally, there is a credit risk as to whether or not any seller is likely to receive their money after the deal has been done. A couple of ideas that would provide comfort to a seller is a parent company guarantee. Does your buyer have a company above it And can that company provide a guarantee? A second and slightly more controversial guarantee could be that the company itself provides the guarantee for any money paid after completion. That's slightly more controversial and isn't a topic that will be talked about now. It is controversial because the law says there has to be benefit in giving that guarantee. once we've settled that credit risk are you likely to receive any of your money not in cash but in shares if so when are you as seller allowed to sell those shares and what happens if you wake up one morning after you have sold your company and decided That you no longer want to be part of the buying business. That is termed bad lever, good lever. And from a buyer's perspective, there will be circumstances under which you will be expecting your seller to hand back their shares if they decide they no longer want to help you grow the business. The second question that I talked about at the start of this podcast is, Do we actually need heads of terms? If you are a seller, it's likely that you probably don't need heads of terms. But if you are a buyer, there is one fundamental reason why you would expect heads of terms to be in place. And that is exclusivity. Exclusivity is designed to ensure that you are not bidding against yourself with a prospective seller. Let me repeat the importance of that. You are not bidding against yourself when dealing with a seller who is suggesting that you are one of many bid parties. The exclusivity period is designed to keep out any other potential buyers for a certain period of time, as a buyer will be incurring costs and time in analysing whether the business is what the buyer thought it was when we first signed those heads of terms. The third point is, what effect has COVID-19 had on transactions generally? The answer to that is fairly succinct and we at Mackerel believe that COVID-19 will now ensure that buyers will be testing any potential acquisitions for business resilience and by that we have undertaken or beginning to undertake some transactions where the first question is what risk management is in place if in a few months a few years a similar event were to take place how is the business protected against such an event now, if I hope this podcast has been helpful to you. And if you need any further information, please contact me or Chris Lane on chris.lane at And my email is govy.sandu at If you are listening to this on LinkedIn, then please send me a DM and I will be delighted to help further.